comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to preach and teach the word of faith for people to know God better, live life better, and impact their world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Praise the Lord. Kingdom added. Kingdom added. Wow. Wonderful Sunday service. It's wonderful to come your way and to share fellowship with you. I trust that you are blessed by the song ministration and your heart is prepared and ready to receive from God. And I trust that in this service, God will bless your life. Shall we bow our heads even as we say a word of prayer? Spirit of God, we thank you for your constant help. Through your help, we shall do valiantly. Thank you for your help we have enjoyed as individuals, as family, as a church, all through the season. Thank you, Lord, for this special impartation service. Thank you that in this service, your spirit will fall afresh upon us. In the name of Jesus, let no man or woman tune into this special impartation service. Return the same. Be glorified in every life as you breathe upon us the spirit of wisdom and revelation upon your word. Thank you, Spirit of God, for our lives are changed and imparted through your word. In Jesus' precious name, amen. One vital way God imparts us is through his word. When the word of God comes, the Bible said, the word I speak unto, the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. He said, the spirit entered into me when he speak with me. As the word of God comes to you, your heart open. I see you imparted by life. I see you touched and transformed in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We want to continue our teaching series on understanding the times and seasons. First Thessalonians, if you are joining us for the very first time, I want to uh, especially welcome you to our online service. And I trust that your life will be blessed and transformed. You want to start a watch party, share the video, share it. Share it with as many people as possible. This is a word for our nation and is for everyone who is in any part of the world at this time. God's word is relevant. God takes his word. The Lord gave the word. Great was a company of them that published it. It's, 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 it's coming to you. It will minister to you. And it will minister to people no matter where they are, no matter the situation they are dealing with. I want you to share it. That is your own responsibility and contribution. Start sharing. Start a watch party. And let's focus. The Lord bless you. So we are going to continue our teaching series. Uh, our text principal text for the teaching is Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 1. It says, but of the times and the seasons, of the times and of the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. 
The Bible said to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. First Chronicles chapter 12 verse 32. He said, and the men of the children of Issachar, which were men who had understanding of the times and knew what Israel ought to do. All their brethren were at their command. The heads of them were 200 and all their brethren were at their command. Listen, you can never be in charge until you know what to do with time. You can never take control of life and destiny until you understand the law of seasons and times. God is a God of season and God is a God of time. He's not limited by time, but he functions within time. Because we are limited, we are finite beings, God is infinite. And because he deals with us as finite beings, he relates with us on time. So an understanding of time and season is very important. In this series, we have touched on the time of life. What times are we in? That is a broad question we have been seeking to answer in every service. What times are we in? What time or what times are we in? We answered the first one. We said we are in the time of life. Then we answered the second one, a time to own our health. Then we answered the third one, a time to unite. Then, of course, alongside end times, we also launched a time to change. A time to change. One of the things that COVID-19 is teaching all of us is that we cannot function and do business as usual. Even the service you are watching now online is a testimony that we are in changing times. And the world has always been in a process of change. Change, I said earlier, is the only constant in life. So you must know what to do with change. You must know how, what, how to conduct yourself when certain changes are happening. And this is a season of change. In this COVID-19 season, if you don't change, you may not make it. This week I was listening to the, the, the news when our health minister said that COVID-19 is here. It has come to stay with us. As scary and as uncomfortable as it seems, let's assume for a moment that that's the case. You can imagine how Certain changes will have to be permanent with us. Washing of our hands that some of us used to take it for granted now, it has become part and parcel of your life. And if, uh, God forbid, that this demon called COVID-19 decides to stay with us, then it, 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 it will certainly have to, it has to certainly be a part and parcel of your life in order for you to survive. There are certain changes, sometimes they are not significant, but there are major changes that are significant. For instance, if you decide to marry, that's a major change and you cannot take it for granted. When you marry and you are expecting a child, it's also a major change. If you want to change, you lose your job and you are married, you have three children, that's a major change and you need to know how to deal with it. You used to be a sinner, now you are a born again child of God. That's a major change. Some of your old friends would want to wait to see whether you fail or you'll be able to continue. All kinds of things. People have their negative expectations of you. God has his own positive expectation. That's a major change. And we must understand change. And that is what this, and how to make the most of change. That's what this teaching has been about. In our earlier teachings, we define what change is. We said to change means to transform. To change means to become something different. To change means to lay aside the old and embrace the new. The Bible said, behold, I do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? He said, I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. We said that 
Change comes in different shapes and forms. We establish that change is never easy for anyone. Some of the protocols we are being compelled or we are, we are being urged to put into practice, they are not comfortable for any one of us. I, don't, I won't lie to you as a pastor. It's not comfortable for me to be speaking into the camera with empty chairs all around me. It's not comfortable. I've missed my church members. I look forward to seeing all of you. And it's not comfortable. But hey, that this is what we ought to do now. There is no other way of staying in touch with you, bringing you God's word, encouraging you in your work with God, except through this means. And so, as uncomfortable as it is for you, so it is also for me. But if we must stay nourished spiritually, if we must keep growing spiritually, then we need to embrace this online platform and be actively engaged and not be distracted. You can't, you can't just, all your huge nostalgia for the past, you can't continue like that. This is what we have and we have to make the most of it. Change is never easy for anyone. We said change is necessary for all. Then we looked at five different ways people relate to change. There are those who dread change. There are those who deny change. There are those who defy change. There are those who dismiss change. And there are those who decide change. And I pray that you will be part of those who decide change. We looked at 10 reasons why we must be open and receptive to change. We said change is constant. We said change is foundational for growth. We said change is critical for survival. We established that change is essential for progress. We also said that change makes you relevant. Your ability to change makes you relevant. Change also helps you to stay competitive. In the game of life, your ability to change and adapt is what makes you competitive. And then change forces you to be innovative. It helps you to engage your mind. You think outside the box. That's what change does. Change also challenges your potential. You will never know what you are capable of doing until you decide that you are going to embrace change or initiate change. And then, of course, we said that change ushers us into new opportunities. New, new, new opportunities. And I pray that this COVID-19 will bring you new opportunities. Just as some doors are closing, some other ones are opening. And I pray that in this impartation service, a new door of favor, a new door of grace, a new job door shall be opened to someone. If you believe that is yours, you can type an amen. The Lord bless you. And then of course, we said, because failure to change can be very, very costly. When you must change and you refuse to change, you are actually signing your death warrant. You can die in chains. Last week, we looked at 12 negative attitudes we must aggressively change to win the war against COVID-19. And I established that we are not just, these changes are not just uh, to help you win the war against COVID-19. COVID-19 is a major battle the whole world is dealing with now. But these changes also, when we embrace them, it helps us to win the war against many things in our lives. It can help you to win the war against problems in your home. It can help you to win the war on your job. It can help you to win the war in your finances. It can help you to win the war against poverty, against all kinds of things. And I pray that this teaching will be a blessing. In our first teaching, we said that these are negative attitudes we need to do away with. Some of them may be personal, others are corporate. In our teaching earlier, we touched on five of them. We said, number one, the attitude of not taking life-threatening matters seriously until they destroy you. 
That attitude must be put on the shelf. That attitude must be laid aside. You must take life seriously. Life-threatening issues. You never joke with them. The Bible said, a wise man foreseeth evil and hides himself. A wise man sees danger and takes precautions. A fool walks on and is destroyed. You don't want to be a fool in this season. Don't just live your life carelessly anyhow. It is not business as usual. It's sad that in Ashanti region, the hot spot has become Obwasi. Obwasi did not begin as a hot spot, but because of carelessness and people's uh, uh, unwillingness to act right, the cases are increasing every day. We pray that they are able to contain it, but it will never be subdued. It's not a case until people change their negative attitude. Some people say they don't believe. Where is the virus? How do you ask for a virus? I mean, how, how can you ask for a virus? Something you can see with your eye, except a microscope. How do you see with the, uh, say, where are the people? Where are the people? Those who have even recovered, when you get to know some people who are recovered, you stigmatize them. Now the people are going through it. You want to see them for what? And because of that, people are just living, walking about carelessly and the numbers are increasing. We must take life-threatening matters seriously. As Ghanaians, as people, as uh, families, as individuals, something that has to do with your life, you don't have to take it for granted. Overspeeding can kill. So you may be driving the best of cars. You don't have to overspeed. Electricity can kill. You don't just go and hold live wire and say, hey, and be speaking in tongues. You will die speaking in tongues. Why? Because you are walking foolishly. May the wisdom of God be yours in this season. Then we said the second negative attitude we need to deal with is the attitude of making life-changing decisions without counting the cost and effectively planning for it. You may argue, you may have your own opinion, but I believe that uh, the lifting of our lockdown, we could have handled it better. That's in the past now. But we need to be making. When I look at some of the decisions they are quickly making, with some of the pronouncement that the virus has come to stay with us, or to make a way for certain actions to be taken easily. Even advanced nations are very cautious in lifting sanctions in various areas. We have lifted our general lockdown. We lifted it hastily. And now we are still contemplating on lifting other bands hastily. I believe that uh, our people, our leaders need to exercise a bit of restraint and caution. The economic effects are there. We all understand it. But without life, economic will be useless. If all the greater population of your nation that you lead as a leader of a nation, as a president or whoever, if a greater percentage of your citizens are sick, your economy is sick. That's why preserving and protecting the life and property is more important than anything. I like what the president said at the very initial stages stages of the, the, the virus. He said, we know how to bring people, like, uh, we know how to restore our economy, but we do not know how to, uh, what do you call it, bring back the dead. I believe that the president may have to be reminded in these times when there's pressure on him from all sectors of the economy to lift up bands, to be reminded of that statement. That statement still has a lot of sense and it still means a lot to us in these times. And everywhere you are, it's important. Even if the president decides that every man is lifted, may I submit to you, you have the right 
to decide what bonds you are going to keep yourself under. They may lift all the bonds, but don't, don't, don't lift them upon your life, upon yourself and your family. Keep certain bonds. Live your life in boundaries. The Bible says all things are lawful, not all things are beneficial. It's important. Life-changing decisions needs to be made with care. A lot of care, a lot of thought, a lot of contemplation must be factored into making life-changing decisions. You don't just say yes to a proposal because a man is tall, handsome, and uh, uh, the lady is beautiful. She has hips and all of those things. No. When you make decisions like that, they won't last and you'll be the fool for it. I pray that God will guide you. Number three, the attitude of caring much less about your health. The attitude of caring much less about your health. We need to, most of the time, most of these things, the reason why a lot of people are rebelling, and I must admit that this rebellious attitude towards the restrictions and all these things is not only in Ghana, across the globe, even in the U.S., one of the most advanced and civilized nations. People are just walking freely. In the course of the week, the, the Supreme Court ruled in the U.S. that some, some of the states, some powers they were exercised to, to put lockdown, they, they didn't have the power to do it. And you won't believe it, in one of those states, I've forgotten, the moment the Supreme Court verdict came out, immediately, people went out en masse into drinking bars, no mask, no social distancing. They were just, just drinking themselves away. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. So, lawlessness is not a Ghanaian thing. It's a human thing. But you see, you would have expected that once your life is on the line, people will listen to the voice of reason. But not. Some people just want to die. But I know that as a member of this house, you know God has a purpose for your life. As a member of this house, you know we love you, we care about you. As a member of this house, you know your family needs you. This nation needs you. That's why you must take precautions, take steps to stay alive. And I see you staying alive. A thousand will fall at that side, ten thousand at that right, and it shall not come nigh thee. In the name of Jesus. The attitude of caring much less about your health. This is the season to show that you care about your health. Don't take your health for granted. It's more expensive to recover health than to maintain health. So make sure that you keep yourself healthy. If you have to exercise, exercise. Don't just be eating late and drinking, eating anything and cultivating habits that are self-destructive. Habits that can destroy your health. Habits that can kill you before your time. Some people are committing suicide by their own habits. And I pray that the grace of God will help you break away from every negative demonic habit that Satan has baptized you with, designed to destroy your life. You shall not be destroyed in Jesus' name. Number four, we said the attitude of living comfortably in filth. The attitude of living comfortably in filth. The Bible said we have these promises. We must cleanse ourselves from filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. Washing our hands is difficult. It's because we have not cultivated the habit of personal hygiene. We need to develop it. Some people, as old as they are, they literally need to be begged before they bath twice a day. You can't do that in this season. Of course, we talked about the attitude of lawlessness and disorderliness. Now, today we want to continue. Number six, the sit attitude. We are looking at 12 negative attitudes we must do away with. The sit attitude is the attitude of rejoicing at the failures, weaknesses, and vulnerabilities of others. The attitude of rejoicing at the failures, 
weakness and vulnerabilities of others. It's, it's so sad that in our nation, when someone is affected with something negative, others rejoice. I can't simply imagine that. When somebody has gone through a, a terrible experience, a tragedy, there are those who can talk about it and rejoice. That is demonic and wicked. The attitude of rejoicing at the failures of others. The fact that I'm a failure does not mean that you have become a success. Nobody needs to fail for you to succeed. That's why it is foolishness to rejoice at the failures of others. No. Nobody needs to fail for you to succeed. You can succeed. Everybody can succeed. And God will have no problem with us. Don't rejoice. When you see someone fall into a tragedy, the person can even be your enemy. Let's see what the scripture says. Proverbs 17, verse 5. It said, Those who mock the poor insult their maker, and those who rejoice at the misfortune of others will be punished. Now, if you thought it was a joke, now, that's what the Bible says. It says, if you mock at the misfortune of others, you rejoice, you celebrate, you go on Facebook, to, uh, and on Twitter to tweet that social and so person has gotten the virus and you don't put the name of the person but you describe him and those who know the person know vividly that this is this person you are talking about. The Bible says if you rejoice at bad news about other people, you will be punished. You will be punished. You will be punished. Look at Proverbs 24 verse 17, the contemporary English version. He said, don't be happy to see your enemies trip and fall. Now, this one, he says your enemies. Don't be happy to see your enemies trip and fall down. The Lord will find out and be unhappy. Then he will stop being angry with them. Can you imagine that? Don't be happy. Let's look at Proverbs 17, 5. The, the CEV version. It says, by insulting the poor, you insult the, the, your creator. You will be punished if you make fun of someone in trouble. The whole idea of stigmatizing people who have gone through this experience, this terrible experience, this traumatic experience of having to deal with that disease, the whole idea of stigmatizing it, it, it just shows that our some people's accession of our society is just depraved, backward, and wicked. That's all that it means. And you don't have to join them. You don't have. That is not our calling. The Bible says, dearly beloved, if any man be overtaken in a fault, restore such a one. That's the mandate we have as children of God. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 and 2. That's the mandate. You as a child of God, that's your mandate. That's what we ought to do as Christians. He said, dear brothers, if anyone is overcome, anybody is overtaken in any challenge, restore such a one, considering yourselves. The word considering yourself, I like it so much. In the King James, it said, considering thyself. Because you see, whatever anybody has, any victim of the disease has gone through, it could have been you. It could have been a member of your family. Now, think for a moment. If the things you are saying, the things you are, the news you are spreading, the despisement, the insults, all kinds of things you are doing to them, the stigmatization of the victims and their families, that you are, if the same thing is extended to you, how will you feel? How will you feel? This negative attitude must leave our system. This negative attitude must end. And I see it live your life in the name of Jesus. Number seven, the attitude of holding on to vain and retrogressive traditions. Traditions. 
Africans are very traditional in the, uh, our approach and in the way we look at things. And it's not only Africans. Even the Jews were traditional. Jesus spoke of them. The Pharisees, the scribes and the Pharisees. When Jesus came, he couldn't fit into their mode. And it's all part of the reasons why they killed him. Because every way they have the traditional way of doing church and doing ministry, they were not comfortable. Jesus was not comfortable with it. They said, don't hang out with sinners. Jesus will eat with uh, Zacchaeus. He will visit Zacchaeus. All kinds of sinners, friends of sinners and republicans, publicans. That was Jesus. And they could not take it. Some of us are so neck deep in tradition. Vain tradition. Vain tradition. I listened to one news item some time back, I think on one of the media stations or so, where they were talking about increasing numbers of dead people in the mock. And all we need to do, some of us who unfortunately may have lost some loved ones, is to bury them using a private, uh, the private number president announced. But very few people, according to the report, very few people were going that way. Very few people. Very few people. They don't want 25 people. They want everybody to be around. Very few people. And the motries are increasing in number. Yeah. When in Italy, people were buried in a mass. I don't know. <laughs> Thank God we are not in Italy. But if it were to be in Italy, you wouldn't even have the... the, the you, people in Italy didn't have the privilege of even seeing their dead bodies. They were buried by the government. And here you are. You are being urged and encouraged to go ahead and bury your people so that others can also have space. And because of tradition, vain tradition, people are not willing for it. Some Christians, their spiritual life has, is growing cold because they are so traditional. If you are not going to the auditorium, then it's not church. So online service, they don't make the time for it. Even when they make the time, they don't stay focused. You are also becoming a victim of tradition. Since the church went on lockdown, see how your spiritual life has been taking a downturn. Simply because the avenues made for your spiritual nourishment because of tradition. You are not able to embrace it. Let go of tradition. I was very excited when I heard that the one week uh, uh, observation of the professor, the late professor Plandru was observed on Facebook. When I heard that, I said, wow, these are people who are understand the times and are making the most of the moment. One week it was observed. My spiritual father unfortunately lost his, his, uh, his uh, sister. Of course, not through COVID-19. Uh, she was already sick for some time. And I spoke with him and he told me, uh, I'm preparing to uh, do a private burial for him. When I heard that, I knew that that is my father. That's how, that's how the word ought to be. When situation change, when circumstances change, you must change or you will die in chains. It's very important. Vain traditions. It's great to have your loved ones come around you, uh, mourn with you and all of those things. But if circumstances will not permit it, nothing prevents you from burying the person the private way and then doing the funeral later. Nobody prevents you. Those who really love you and want to be there, they will be there, whether uh, later or whatever time. Vain tradition. We must abandon retrogressive traditions that are no value to us and open up to new traditions that advance us. Now, whether if the, the prediction of the health minister is true, if COVID-19 stays with us, 
There are many traditions that we have to do away with. The tradition of greeting people, holding their hands and all of, all of this. We have to work at it closely. Traditions are usually strongholds in the minds. Strongholds. Some people just do things without ever standing to, uh, spending a moment to question why things are done the way they are done. Why? Why are things done the way they are done? Number eight, the attitude of exploiting others to maximize profit in times of crisis. There are those. This is also very typical, particularly among us as Africans and Ghanaians. Anytime there's a crisis, somebody declares it as his cocoa season or gold season. When people are in crisis, of course, uh, the Chinese define crisis as opportunities. But you see, when crises that involves human lives are on the line, that is not the time to make profit. Because if you make profit at the expense of human life, you know who you have become? You have become, uh, you, are, you are actually, it's like you are, you are engaging in blood money. That's it. You are not different from the person who takes uh, his nephew, mother, wife to the shrine and goes to sacrifice her for blood money. You are not different from such a person. The attitude of exploiting people in the times of crisis. In the West, when there's a time of crisis, that's the time people who are not even Christians become generous. They want to help. They want to see people relief. But in Africa and in Ghana, the opposite is the case. When people are in trying times, that's when people high prices. That's when people want to take advantage. Want to maximize profit. No. Look at what the Bible says. Proverbs 22 verse 16. He that oppresseth the poor to increase his riches, and he that giveth to the rich shall surely come to want. Message version says, exploit the poor or glad hand the rich, whichever you will end up the poorer for it. The poorer for it. The poorer for it. It's important. I, I, I needed a certain book uh, online and I decided to check it. And when I checked, I was shocked at the price of the book. The price had been discounted. It's, it's a book that it's really relevant to the times. And so I, I knew the price was high. But when I went to Amazon, Kindle specifically, and I typed in the title of the book, they had discounted the price solo. Solo. Why? Because the objective of the author is not about making profit from because I mean, imagine that the, this is actually the same time for the book. Because I mean, ordinarily, I would not have bought the book, that particular book. Maybe I would have read it at a later time, but now I needed it because the, the, the content of it, the subject of the book matters, it's very relevant to the times. If the author were to be a Ghanaian or an African, <laughs> there is little doubt that he would not. He will, he will quickly increase the price. But the other side, they have rather slashed the price. Why? Because he sees that, no, this is the time people may need it most. Let me bring it down and let more people get it. And it's the same thing. When you do business with that mindset, you are not just looking at profit. You are looking at service. How you can be a blessing. And when you walk, walk through life with that mindset, you will never be poor. You see, the reason why rich people, very rich people keep on getting rich is because they provide a service and they want more people to benefit from the service. But if you hype your goods so high that very few people can get it, how much can you get out of it? Greed is deadly. Cheat the poor to make profit 
or give gift to the rich. Either way, you lose. Look at what the Bible says about greed. Proverbs 15, 27. He that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house. But he that hated gifts shall live. He that hated gifts shall live. He that is greedy of gain. It takes greed to want to extort people in times of crisis. It's greed. That you buy something at a very low price and then you hype the price. Profiteering. That is bad. And I hope that none of us is engaged in things like that. If you know anybody that you can address, counsel them. What you are doing, you are sowing a negative seed for you, the future of your business and your children's children. This is not the time to rip people off. This is the time to make your service available. Make whatever goods you are selling available so that more people can benefit and stay alive. May the Lord give you wisdom. Number nine, the attitude of offering or doing mediocre work. The attitude of offering or doing mediocre work. We have this poor attitude that when we are working for other people, we don't do it well. The average Ghanaian does not know how to do another person's work well. And that is the reason, one of the major reasons why a vast majority of our people are poor. Everybody is selfish. A large number of us are selfish in our approach to life. If it is yours, they give their best shot. If it's for others, they do it lackadaisically. If you have that attitude, you are not likely to go far in life. Look at what the Bible says. He says in Proverbs 22 verse 29, if you do your job well, you will work for a ruler and never be a slave. As sad as it is, a number of people have lost their jobs and a number of people will still lose their jobs. And I pray that you won't be a victim. But you see, in any business setup, any time there's a crisis, the people they think of laying off first usually are the people who are low performance or poor performance. There is no business that usually, unless the person has done something catastrophic, that is when they will start by laying off the CEO. But usually when the business is in crisis, they start by laying off the non-essential staff. They put them away. Non-essential, non-essential. Listen, to be an essential staff is a choice. It's not qualification based. It's a choice. The way you do your work, the excellency with which you do it, you'll be relevant. Daniel was relevant to every government. And some of the governments were opposing governments. He was relevant. Every government that came needed him. Why? He was so useful. They could not disown him. They could not sideline him. I pray that you become that useful. In that small office, in that small shop, see it as your own. Stop stealing. When your boss is not around, you steal some money, you steal some time here and there take long breaks. You think they don't know you. People know. And even if people don't know, God knows. And you know, promotion comes from God. Take your job seriously. If you are still at post, take your job seriously. Don't be a slothful worker. The Bible says, see a thou a man, diligent in his business, you shall stand before kings and not me men. Once, as, once you are identified as a hard-working person, even when your boss has to ask you to go home, he will be feeling, he, it will pain him. I pray that you will be that kind of employee. Because it is those kind of employees who end up becoming CEOs of their own company. If you don't learn to work for other people well, let me tell you, you can never be a good manager when you have the capacity to work for yourself. Because that will be anti-scriptural. 
The Bible said, if you have not been faithful in that which is another man, who shall commit to you your own? A lot of people have their own dreams. I want to do this. I want, I'm dreaming of this. I'm dreaming of... Listen, those dreams will never see the light of day until you learn to help other people achieve their dreams. When Joseph interpreted the dream for the butler and for uh, Pharaoh, that was how his own dream came to the limelight. He had seen himself as a little boy, having all his family bow down to him. He didn't know how it was going to happen. It was after he helped Pharaoh understand and achieve his dream. That was when his own dream became a reality. You want your dream to become a reality? God wants it to become a reality. And there are principles you can't break away from. One of them is learn to be faithful where you are. Be faithful. Be faithful. Take your job seriously. Number 10. The attitude of seeing the internet as a platform for entertainment rather than a tool for work and global influence. If you look at the way Africans, I mean, I may not be totally right, but of course I speak from an African perspective because I live in Africa and I serve Africans. If I look at the way we use the internet, it's amazing. Somebody will be eating and he will take a, a, a shot and put it on the internet. What a waste of time. What a waste of data. What a waste of credit. Yeah. A global business platform is being reduced to a platform of entertainment. All kinds of things. Fake news, all kinds of things. Listen, the business of the now is a business on the net. If you didn't hear that, the business of the now and the business of the future is on the net. If you don't learn to become internet compliant, you have no future. Whatever your business is, find your way into the net. Onto the net. Find your way. Establish yourself. Establish your presence online. You need it. So, if doing church online is a problem for you, I don't, I don't imagine how you're going to. That is why it's a problem for you. We live in a smartphone age. You can just be on the net just some small minutes and you are there. Everybody is on the net. Every major business has presence on the net. And you need to be there also. It's not a place for entertainment to send pictures and all of those things. No. That is a place for serious people. A lot. When the whole world was in lockdown, a lot of works were being carried out on the net. So be available. Become internet friendly. Love the net. Some of us have no Facebook accounts. We have no YouTube account. You are not on Twitter. You are not on Instagram. Anywhere people are, you are not there. You say, as for me, all these things, this internet is for, listen, this internet is not for anybody. It's for you. You are not too old. Listen, if you are too old to change, then you are too old to live. If you are too old to change, you are too old to live. Because as long as you live, you must constantly be changing. Find your place there. Find your place there. Find your place there. I believe the internet is a divine platform for filling the earth with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And COVID-19 has presented us with the finest opportunity to do so. That's, that's my personal conviction. I believe that the internet is a divine platform. You remember the Bible says in the book of uh, Habakkuk, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea. I personally believe that the internet is that platform where the knowledge of God shall fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. And until the COVID-19, as bad as it is, most of us churches, most of us pastors were not there. And now we are being forced to be there. 
And I believe that if you're a pastor, this is the time to strategize and make sure that you are there and you are there properly. Because you need to be here. A lot of people you will never meet, a lot of people you will never see, but must hear the gospel through you, are waiting to hear from you. And this is a platform. So don't just see it as a tool you are using only for this COVID season. Even beyond the COVID season, establish your presence. May the wisdom of God be yours. Globalize your business by taking advantage of technology instead of resisting it to stagnate your destiny. That's very important. Globalize your business because it's the internet. Globalize your business. How? By taking advantage of technology instead of resisting it. Because if you do so, you will stagnate your destiny. May your destiny not be stagnated. Number 11, the attitude of seeking external help always to solve our internally generated problems. The attitude of seeking external help to solve our internally generated problems. I don't know whether you have met people who make silly decisions and then when the decisions come biting, they come to you to solve the problems for them. As though as though they consulted you when they were making those decisions. We live in a world where people, people go for loans and they spend it on useless stuff. And then when they are deducting and their finances become tight and they are deducting from them month after month and their salaries are not enough, then you'll be there. They'll be sending you a text message. Can you help? Can I get 100 CDs? Can I get 20 CDs? Can I get 50 CDs? Listen, be careful how you manage your finances. Give. But don't be a foolish person. Give. The Bible said, the wise man gives with discretion. It's not every fool we give to. Praise God. Very important. As much as it's generous, I give. Since this COVID season, there's no week I've not given money out to somebody. I give. But you have to be sure that the places you are giving, the people you are giving, they are not wasters. They are not lazy folks. There are people who refuse to work and then they, they become poor and you are now the source of their prosperity. No, it's important. The attitude of seeking external help always to solve our internally generated problems. And I believe that the COVID season is also teaching us. We are always seeking help. African nations are always seeking help from other people. Problems we have generated, failed problems, all kinds of bad economic policies, when they fail, we use them and then we, we now go back to people who were no party to the decisions that brought us to our needs to solve the problems. That's all wise. Look at what the Bible says. Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help and stay on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong but they look not unto the Holy One of Israel neither seek the Lord. Yeah. We must learn to take responsibility for our mistakes. If you make a mistake, face it. Pastor, I made a mistake. I think I didn't do well. Then you'll be counseled appropriately. But don't make mistakes and blame it on others. No. You are too old for that. You are too old for that. When we make poor decisions as leaders in the nation, we must own up, accept responsibility, and then change it. No government, listen, can better take care of you than yourself. That's why you need to accept responsibility for your health. And so if you decide to live carelessly and you become a victim, nobody can help you. Accept responsibility. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. And God will watch over you and preserve you. Finally, the attitude of excessive 
partisan politicization of matters of national interest. The attitude of excessive partisan politicization of matters of national interest. Let's look at what the Bible says. First, First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10 to 12. I appeal to you, this is my final text. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's house have told me about your quarrels. My dear brothers and sisters, some of you are saying, as if he's speaking to Ghanaians, some of you are saying, I'm a follower of NDC. I'm a follower of Nanado. I'm a follower of John Mahama. Others are saying I follow Apollos. Others say I follow Peter. Others say I follow Christ. Enough of those things in this season. When we are in a crisis, it's not about who you are, we are following. It's about how we can all stay alive. If you listen to our politicians give commentary on radio, you begin to feel sad as a Ghanaian. Because opposition seems to be criticizing when there is no substance to the criticism. And you find that the ruling government also responding as if they don't know the responsibility they have at hand. If there is any better advice, I know that they have council of state. But if I were to be asked to give any advice, I would just tell the president and your team, remain focused and solve the problem. If you can solve the problem of Ghanaians, they can give you, give you 20 years to late. They, they themselves will come together and say, the democracy, we are changing it. We think that this person is good enough. And they will make you our lifetime leader. We want people who can solve problems, not people who can explain problems. Enough of that banter. People are dying. The crisis is on. Numbers are increasing. And you, 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 you see people who are being paid with our taxes. Sit on radio. Sit on TV. And they are just answering unnecessary critics. Answering people who are just trying to break your focus and keep you from the tax of the moment. It's important. It's important that our politicians understand that if there is no Ghana, you have no job. If there is no Ghana, politics is about leading people, bringing about development. But if there is no people, where is the political party? That's why keeping the integrity of Ghana together, making sure that the citizenry is safe, everyone is safe, is more important than your personal, parochial, political interests and ambitions. May the Lord help this nation and may you live to fulfill your destiny. As we lay aside these negative demonic attitudes that have stagnated our progress, have stagnated our advancement for years, may this nation see progress. And may you as an individual begin to see progress in your life, in your finance, in your family, in every area of your life. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord preserve you. Bow down your heads even as we pray. Maybe for you, the negative attitude you have is that you make fun of pastors and you criticize the church and you insult Jesus. And you want to say, Pastor, I think I also have this challenge. And today, I want to stop that attitude and behavior. I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to be born again. If you are like that online, or whatever time you are watching this broadcast, I want you to pray with me. And bow down your head as I pray with you. Say, Father, I admit I'm a sinner. I call upon you. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. I believe 
You died for me. I believe you rose again for my redemption. Thank you for saving me and making me your own. Thank you that I'm a brand new creature in you. In Jesus' precious name. If you pray that prayer in faith, there is no doubt you are saved now. Heaven is your destination. Christ is your life. Live for him. Live a victorious life. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes. And I see you overcoming everything that overcame you before. Even including the COVID-19. You will survive. You will live in victory. You, will be, you are more than a conqueror. You are blessed. Now, I don't know. Maybe there's a certain particular negative attitude you've been battling with. And you want to say, Pastor, I want you to agree with me and pray. That the grace of God will come upon me to subdue and to do away with this negative attitude. Just bow down your heads as we agree in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, for everyone online this time that is dealing with any of these 12 negative attitudes or any other one that was not captured in this teaching, but is yearning for relief and deliverance, I pray in the name of Jesus, whosoever the Son sets free is free indeed. I command your freedom now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for liberty in the spirit. In Jesus, much less name. Pastor Afuaka has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. To get a copy of this message and other messages as well as books by Pastor Afuaka, please call 0540-122-670 or email us at faithhousechapel at yahoo.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuaka on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also visit our website at www.faithhousechapel.com for any further information. Log on and be part of our power-packed online services live every Sunday for our celebration service at 9am and every Wednesday for our discovery service at 7pm on Facebook and YouTube using the handle Faith House Charismatic Chapel International. God richly bless you. Hey!